Hello, parents and guardians. I'd like to take a moment before the podcast to thank you again for choosing me, Raggedy Auntie, to be your child's reader for the next half hour or so. You can find the list of stories in the show notes on your preferred platform. And you can also find a link to our Patreon. You know, this podcast can only happen with the generous support of patrons like you. And we have awesome perks at every level. Today's news is actually a patron shout out. I want to shout out Alice and Harriet. Their mom subscribed for them. They are wonderful patrons, and I love interacting with all of my patrons online. So thank you two for listening, and thank you everyone else for being here. Hello, my sweet friend. my sweet friends. Welcome back to the book nook. You know, today I feel a little bit silly. Do you ever feel silly? I love to wiggle, wiggle, wiggle. Can you wiggle with me? Let's wiggle, 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 wiggle. I also like to stretch my arms up very high and then wave them like they're noodles. Today we have some very silly stories. We're going to hear about Robert of Lincoln, a silly, silly bird who has a very fun call that we will practice and practice in his poem. We're also going to hear about a table and a chair going for a walk. And we're going to hear the story of the emperor's new clothes. If you haven't heard that one, it is one of my favorite stories. So let's get started. Robert of Lincoln by William Cullen Bryant. Merrily swinging on briar and weed near to the nest of his little dame, over the mountainside or mead, Robert of Lincoln is telling his name, Bobolink, Bobolink, Spink, Spank, Spink, snug and safe is this nest of ours, hidden among the summer flowers, chee, chee, chee. Robert of Lincoln is gaily dressed, wearing a bright black wedding coat, white are his shoulders and white his crest. Hear him call in his merry note, Bobolink, Bobolink, Spink, Spank, Spink, look what a nice new coat is mine, sure there never was a bird so fine. Chee, chee, chee. Robert of Lincoln's Quaker wife, pretty and quiet, with plain brown wings, passing at home a patient life, broods in the grass while her husband sings, Bobolink, Bobolink, Spink, Spank, Spink. Brood, kind creature, you need not fear. Thieves and robbers while I am here. Chee, chee, chee. Modest and shy as a nun is she. One weak chirp is her only note. Braggart and prince of braggarts is he. Pouring boasts from his little throat. Bobolink, bobolink, spink, spank, spink. Never was I afraid of men. Catch me, cowardly knaves, if you can. Chee, chee, chee. Six white eggs on a bed of hay. Flecked with purple, ah, a pretty sight. There, as the mother sits all day, Robert is singing with all his might. Bobolink, bobolink, spink, spank, spink. Nice good wife that never goes out. Keep house while I frolic about. Chee, chee, chee. Soon as the little ones chip the shell, six wide mouths are open for food. Robert of Lincoln bestirs him well, gathering seeds for the hungry brood. Bobolink, bobolink, spink, spank, spink. 
This new life is likely to be hard for a happy young fellow like me. Chee, chee, chee. Robert of Lincoln at length is made, sober with work and silent with care, off his holiday garment laid, half forgotten that merry air, bobalink, bobalink, spink, spank, spink. Nobody knows but my mate and I where our nest and our nestlings lie. Chee, chee, chee. Summer wanes and the children are grown. Fun and frolic no more he knows. Robert of Lincoln's a humdrum drone. Off he flies and we sing as he goes. Bobalink, bobalink, spink, spank, spink. When you can pipe that merry old strain, Robert of Lincoln, come back again. Chee, chee, chee. <laughs> I just love the call of Robert of Lincoln. Now, a call is the sound that a bird makes. So he says, bobalink, bobalink, spink, spank, spink. Oh my goodness, that's so funny. And then later he says, chee, chee, chee. Wouldn't you love to be a bird flying in the sky, just soaring over everything? And then you get to say silly things like bobalink, bobalink. But I think my favorite part is when he says, spink, spank, spink. And I love hearing about how he has beautiful, beautiful feathers that look like a tuxedo jacket and they're bright and wonderful. And then his mate, the ladybird, is down in the nest with her brown feathers so that she can blend in while she keeps their eggs nice and toasty warm. Oh, and then the eggs are so beautifully described. That's one great thing about poetry. It's almost like a song when you get to have these beautiful pictures drawn for you in your imagination. Now let's hear another silly tale about something that's not quite so normal as a bird. The Table and the Chair by Edward Lear Said the table to the chair, You can hardly be aware how I suffer from the heat and from chilblains on my feet. If we took a little walk, we might have a little talk. Pray, let us take the air, said the table to the chair. Said the chair unto the table, Now you know that we are not able. How foolishly you talk, when you know we cannot walk, said the table with a sigh. Oh, it can do no harm to try. I've as many legs as you. I can't we walk on two. So they both went slowly down and walked about the town with a cheerful bumpy sound as they toddled round and round and everybody cried as they hastened to their side. See, the table and the chair have come out to take the air. But in going down an alley to a castle in a valley, they completely lost their way and wandered all the day till, to see them safely back, they paid a ducky quack and a beetle and a mouse who took them to their house. Then they whispered to each other, Oh, delightful little brother, what a lovely walk we've taken. Let us dine on beans and bacon. So the ducky and the little brownie mousy and the beetle dined and danced upon their heads till they toddled to their beds. Wasn't that wild? Can you imagine being in town and seeing a chair and a table just trotting up to you? I wouldn't know what to think. I wonder what that would be like. Now, our last story is 
Now, our last story is also a story of something happening in the town that's very unexpected. But this is something that a king does, an emperor to be exact. So we are going to hear one of my favorite stories that I've listened to my whole life, and it's called The Emperor's New Clothes. And this might be a version that you're not used to, so keep your ears open and use your imagination to paint these wonderful pictures. The Story of the Emperor's New Clothes, recorded by Leonora Blanche Elaine Lang in the Yellow Fairy Book. Many years ago, there lived an emperor who was so fond of new clothes that he spent all his money on them in order to be beautifully dressed. He didn't care about his soldiers. He did not care about the theater. He only liked to go out walking to show off his new clothes. He had a coat for every hour of every day. And just as they say of a king, he's in the council chamber. They always said here, "Mm, the emperor is in the wardrobe. In the great city in which he lived, there was always something going on. Every day, many strangers came there. One day, two imposters arrived who gave themselves out as weavers. That's people who make cloth. And they said they knew how to manufacture the most beautiful cloth imaginable. Not only were the texture and pattern uncommonly beautiful, but the clothes which were made of the stuff possessed this wonderful property that they were invisible to anyone who was not fit for his office or who was unpardonably silly. Those must indeed be splendid clothes, thought the emperor. If I had them on, I could find out which men in my kingdom are unfit for the offices they hold. (laughs) I could distinguish the wise from the not-so-wise. Yes, this cloth must be woven for me at once. And he gave both the impostors so much money that they might be able to begin their work. They placed two weaving looms and began to do as if they were working, but they didn't have anything on the looms. They also demanded the finest silk and the best gold, which they put in their pockets and worked at the empty looms till late into the night. I should like very much to know how far they've gotten with the cloth, thought the emperor. But he remembered when he thought about it that whoever was little too silly or not fit for his office wouldn't be able to see it. Now, he certainly believed that he had nothing to fear for himself, but he wanted first to send somebody else in order to see how he stood with regard to his office. Everybody in the whole town knew what a wonderful power this cloth had, and they were all curious to see how bad or how mm, maybe not so wise their neighbor was. I will send my old and honored minister to the weavers, thought the emperor. He can judge best what the cloth is like, for he has intellect, and no one understands his office better than he. Now the good old minister went into the hall where the two impostors sat working at the empty weaving looms. Dear me, thought the old minister, opening his eyes wide, I can see nothing. But he didn't say so. 
Both the imposters begged him to be so kind as to step closer and asked him if it were not a beautiful texture. Oh, and such lovely colors. They pointed to the empty loom and the poor old minister went forward, rubbing his eyes, but he couldn't see anything. But you and I know that nothing was there. Dear, dear, he thought, can I be, oh, dare I say it, stupid? Oh, no, 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 I've never thought that, and nobody must know. Oh, maybe I'm not supposed to have the job that I have. Am I not fit for my office? No, I must certainly not say that I cannot see the cloth. Have you nothing to say about it? asked one of the men who was weaving. Oh, it is lovely, most lovely, answered the old minister, looking through his spectacles. Oh, what a texture, what colors. Yes, I will tell the emperor that it pleases me much. Now we are delighted at that, said both the weavers. And thereupon they named the colors and explained the make of the texture. The old minister paid great attention so that he could tell the same to the emperor when he came back to him, which he did. The impostors now wanted more money, and more silk, and more gold to use in their weaving. They put it all in their own pockets, and there came no threads on the loom, but they went on as they had done before, working at the empty loom. The emperor soon sent another worthy statesman to see how the weaving was getting on, and whether the cloth would soon be finished. It was the same with him as the first one. He looked, and he looked, but because there was nothing on the loom, he could see nothing. Is it not a beautiful piece of cloth? asked the two impostors, and they pointed to and described the splendid material, which was not there. Oh, no, 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 thought the man. Oh, it must be my good office for which I'm not fitted. Oh, it's strange, certainly, but no one must be allowed to notice it. And so he praised the cloth, which he didn't see, and expressed to them his delight at the beautiful colors and splendid texture. Yes, 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 it is quite beautiful, he said to the emperor. Everybody in the town was talking of this magnificent cloth. Now the emperor wanted to see it himself while it was still on the loom, with a great crowd of select followers, amongst whom were the worthy statesmen and the old minister who had already been there before. He went to the cunning impostors, who were now weaving with all their might, but without fiber or thread. Is it not splendid? said both the old statesmen who'd already been there. See, your majesty, what a texture. Oh, what colors. And they pointed to the empty loom, for they believed the others could see the cloth quite well. What? thought the emperor. I can see nothing. This is indeed horrible. Am I stupid? Am I not fit to be emperor? Oh, no, what's going on? Oh, that were the most dreadful thing that could happen to me. Oh, oh it's very beautiful, he said. Oh, uh, <clears throat> it has my gracious approval. And he nodded quite pleasantly and examined the empty loom, for he would not say that he could see nothing. His whole courtroom round him looked and saw no more than the others. But they said like the emperor, 
Oh, it is beautiful. And they advised him to wear these new and magnificent clothes for the first time at the great procession, which was soon to take place. Splendid, lovely, most beautiful, went from mouth to mouth. Everyone seemed delighted over them. And the emperor gave to the imposters the title of court weavers to the emperor. Throughout the whole of the night before the morning on which the procession was to take place, these imposters were up and were working by the light of over 16 candles. The people could see that they were very busy making the emperor's new clothes ready. They pretended they were taking the cloth from the loom, cut with huge scissors in the air, sewed with needles without thread, and then said at last, Now the clothes are finished! The emperor came himself with the most distinguished of knights, and each imposter held up his arm just as if he were holding something and said, See, here are the breeches. Oh, here is the coat. Here's your new cloak, and so on. Spun clothes are so comfortable that one would imagine one had nothing on at all. <laughs> but that is the beauty of it. Yes, said all the knights, but... They couldn't see anything, for there was nothing there. Will it please your majesty graciously to take off your clothes, said the imposters. Then we will put on the new clothes here before this mirror. The emperor took off all of his clothes, and the imposters placed themselves before him as if they were putting on each part of his new clothes, which was ready, and the emperor turned and bent himself in front of the mirror. How beautifully they fit! Oh, how well they sit! What material! What colors! It is a gracious suit! They were waiting outside with the canopy, which your majesty is wont to have borne over you in the procession, announced the master of ceremonies. Look, I am ready, said the emperor. Doesn't it sit well? And he turned himself again to the mirror to see if his finery was on all right. The chamberlains, who were going to carry the train put their hands near the floor as if they were picking up the train of his cloak and then they did as if they were holding something in the air they wouldn't have noticed that they could see nothing so the emperor went along in the procession under this splendid canopy and all the people in the streets and at the window said Oh, how matchless are the emperor's new clothes. That train fastened to his dress, how beautifully it hangs. No one wished it to be noticed that they couldn't see anything, for then they would have been labeled unfit for office or not very wise. None of the emperor's clothes had met with such approvals as these had. But he has nothing on, said a little child at last. Just listen to my innocent child, said the father, and each one whispered to his neighbor what the child had said. But he has nothing on. <gasps> he has nothing on. The whole of the people called out at last. This struck the emperor, for it seemed to him that they might be right. But he thought to himself, Oh, no, I must go on with the procession now. And the chamberlains walked along still more uprightly, holding up the train, which was not there at all. Mm -hmm.
You know, I think that the emperor may have learned a little lesson in there. Sometimes things that seem to be true aren't always what they are. And sometimes people are a little bit scared to be wrong or scared to be different. Sometimes they're even scared to be silly. You know, the imposters in that story were so successful at tricking the emperor and tricking all of his ministers that came to look at the clothes because they figured out that people were afraid to be different. I love being different. I love being the kind of person who likes to read a book or sing a song when I feel like it. I like going to the library most of all. And you know, sometimes people aren't so nice about going to the library, but that's okay because I enjoy it. And I hope that you enjoy being different too. What are some things that make you different? Are they silly things? I love the silly things that make me different. Sometimes I like to walk silly. Sometimes I like to talk silly. Sometimes I like to dance around and sing my own song and be a little silly because it's not wrong. Thank you for joining me today for all these little silly things. Now remember Robert of Lincoln and his silly call. Remember the day that the table and chair went walking and a mouse and a beetle had to put them to bed? Oh, and don't forget Ducky Quack. He was there too. And I hope that you don't get tricked by people that are making silly clothes that are actually nothing. And I also hope that you stay happy, stay healthy, and keep reading. Stay healthy, keep reading. Stay happy, stay healthy, keep reading. Until the day comes we meet again. Stay happy, stay healthy, keep reading, my friend.